Hello and welcome to Tell Me About Your D&D Character, a podcast where people get a chance to talk about their characters from different role-playing games. I'm your host Jeremy and today I'm talking to my friend Adelaide. And it's been a while since I've been able to see Adelaide in person, uh, mainly because of lockdown. And I've been able to witness Adelaide's journey through D&D personally because she was one of the first players at a group I ran at the Tramway Hotel in North Fitzroy a couple of years ago now, where we started out just offering some games for newcomers to D&D, people who might want to try it out but wouldn't have had a group that was interested or might just want to have had something to do on a Monday night. They could come down, we'd uh, run a game for them, just a short couple of hour session, introduce them to how the rules operate. Adelaide was there that very first night and uh, was pretty much there every night, every week all the way up until when we had to stop doing it because of lockdown and uh, the virus, which will no longer uh, be named. Adelaide's uh, always been a very kind and selfless person, um, which kind of comes through where she's talking about one of her characters here. And I think you'll really enjoy the episode, so let's get into it. We could go on about cuts. I could just that's the idea for the next podcast tell me about your cat tell me about your cat that's pretty good I I generally like talk about him all day yeah it's like everyone talks about cat just tell me about your pet (laughs) but we shouldn't talk about just the cats we should talk about D&D characters yeah I didn't know specifically what you wanted to talk about like in D&D I was like is it going to be like like a D and D, like uh, like a general thing. Is it going to be like a specific thing in D and D? But it's characters. So the original idea I had for the podcast was just going to be characters. Just what's the current character you're playing, and tell me about you know memorable events, where the idea came from, the inspiration, stuff like that. But it's kind of expanded now into what was your journey to D and D. What do you really appeal about the game? All of that kind of stuff. What philosophies you bring to it? That huge huge questions um around this one little tiny hobby of tabletop role-playing games but not that tiny no but it boils down to (laughs) who's the character that you really like that it can be someone from years ago it can be someone that you're playing right now just someone that you like to talk about the one that's when someone comes hey so you play D D, you're like oh yeah i had this character who did this type of story I mean, my favorite character to play was Jesse. Yeah. Tell me about Jesse. I mean, um, I know Jesse, obviously, because yeah. I, I was there. But our listeners don't know Jesse. Oh, our listeners. Um, so uh, Jesse uh, is like a um, like this very, very good, very, very sweet, gentle paladin of friendship who specifically worships Mr. Rogers, um, who they saw a play about when they were just a little baby. Jesse is um, a furbolg, and I know furbolgs are supposed to be like, like cow or like deer people, but I figured that because Jesse's focus is friendship, that they would be like a capybara person, you know, like a like just friend shaped. Yeah, Jesse is shaped like a friend. Jesse um, is fuzzy. Jesse is, yeah, Jesse is covered in, like, fine peach fuzz that's super cuddly, is, like, 
like huge and soft and has like very gentle like disposition and face uh uh and yeah i just love playing jesse and i have like a very sweet and like gentle voice oh uh, it's just you know a bit halfway between ASMR and just like a friendly drunk lad <laughs> uh no i loved game it's really fascinated me that you chose a paladin for jesse there were like a few reasons that i picked a paladin firstly because like i've been playing like a rogue through multi-classes of warlock and i was like what's the opposite of this um and like you know their characters well and she basically ended up like straight up evil yeah which was really fun but um I wanted to try something else. Um, and I thought, like, you know how sometimes you'll be like, this is a, um, you'd be like, what would be like a really weird thing to have for a D&D character? Like, you know, having like Marie Kondo as a warlock patron. Yeah. Like, or the Duolingo owl, that kind of yeah. thing. Um, I hadn't I like, heard the Duolingo owl. Nice I like have, that like, idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, terrifying uh but yeah i just thought like wouldn't it be nice to have like like a paladin of mr rogers yeah just like a paladin of like i'm gonna be nice to everyone <laughs> and if you're not nice ooh, i'll get you <laughs> there's that smite coming yeah <laughs> if you're not nice i'll fucking smite you i love that idea i think it's a great idea for a paladin it's a little bit of the t- the team mother as well I guess like the yeah, um, like that trope. Jesse is very like like parent like uh and that they just want everyone to be like happy and safe and like achieve all of their goals. Uh there were like a few times where that created a moral dilemma as well, mm-hmm. which I thought was really fun to play. Well that's uh, I don't want to brag, but I feel that's a sign of a good dungeon master. Oh, it's definitely also a side of a good dungeon master yes um like presenting all of these different things of like what would be the good thing to do and it's like eh, everything i do is gonna hurt someone mm. um i made a one shot for eberron set in shan and like definitely wanted to like use that kind of stuff um like to have the players think about things a little more deeply like mm-hmm. what would be uh the right thing to do in the situation between like uh, a refugee who's being a huge asshole and like uh like a uh, um shan citizen who's like definitely like a little bit of a racist mm-hmm. um but has also just had all this shit stolen yeah uh and like what are you gonna do there what do you do buddy what do you find the characters do in those situations because i think dms find love to set up these situations but never really sure of what they're expecting the characters to come out of it with uh it depends on who you're playing with as soon as i said that like it depends on who the characters are and also who the people playing them are Mm -hmm. so my current D D group is like like queer lefties 
So yeah. I was like, yeah, they're going to go with the refugee. Um, uh, and surprisingly, uh, the character played by my partner is um, called Gorgon Peterson. Gorgon Peterson. Yep. <laughs> Love it. Uh, and it just played off to be like an asshole and had their stuff also stolen and then tried to like completely smite the refugee. Oh, God. Um, yeah. So there's some interesting stuff going on there. And also like try and get characters to decide between something that would be quite detrimental to them, um, but would be like good on the whole. And that is where I really enjoyed playing in the city of Shan because there are like such rigid class divides. So yeah. this will get you like up with the nobles, but it's also like just an absolute dog thing to do. Mm -hmm. It'll get you your goals, but it, there's a very heavy price to go along yeah. with. You're yeah. going to compromise your morals. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That sounds wonderful. Eberron's kind of perfect for that setting or that type of I have loved playing Eberron um, oh. and specifically like DMing Eberron uh, just because like there's so much material that you can work with and also I'm getting to play like a gunslinger for the first time. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Gunslingers are so you're going just the gunslinger uh, class from that map. I'm going like the together? critical role, yeah, yeah, one rather than the um, artificer one, just because, um, like, I felt like it was more of a, a thing that fit the character, mm -hmm. and also like there's there isn't really like a gunslinger in the artificer class it's like what it what is it like an artillerist or something and yeah, you something don't necessarily like get a gun you get like a wand that shoots projectiles yeah um yeah that's not really the flavor that i was looking for no, but guns gunslinger just works so well for eberron just that idea of the the indiana jones hired gun old westy feel to it this was more because i made my character um a member of house Kenneth. Yeah. Uh, so they're doing like this around the around Corvair in like 50 days kind of skyship adventure currently oh that um, sounds cool it's really cool <laughs> it's super cool um, uh, they're all really short adventures as well so it's like um, good for people who have uh, you know busy lives hmm. um, you can kind yeah, of drop in and out you can smash it out and you can smash a session out in an hour. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, or you can put like two or three together and have a longer session. So it's kind of perfect. Um, uh, and, um, and I found like the house dynamics really interesting in Eberron because, hmm. um, not having to like create a social structure, but also having it be like a new social structure that I can like, work with and like find things that suit different areas is really interesting to me um mm -hmm. and i particularly like house Kenneth because uh i just like the idea that it's like a maker house um and that i felt really fit in with the gunslinger kind of that craftsman artisan feel to it yeah yeah um I also like never really played a fighter before so that's fun no i find most people either go for fighter or rogue the first time out 
Oh, Dead uh, Set, I still love Rogue. Rogue 100%. But yeah. I really wanted to to try this one out. Yeah. And Gunslinger, having it as a fighter class, it works really well because if you do want something a little, I guess, off the beaten path, if you want to bring that idea of pistols and shotguns and things into D&D, you still have that steampunk feel to it, but you still have an easy class to... You don't have to worry about too much stuff going on. Uh, there's it's not too many cool. rules. I was actually talking about like the whole steampunk thing because like most of my group... like grew up late 90s early 2000s we have some baggage around the term steampunk um that's fair (laughs) but i honestly think that eberron is less like classic steampunk and more avatar the last airbender yes what's there's a term for that i know um somebody described legend of korra um legend of korra i think it's actually straight up more steampunk but like uh avatar like it, like the it's less it's more like a pre-industrial revolution like just the beginnings of it mm. so like it doesn't seem like like the style of steampunk isn't there but the innovation that's like linked with it but that was kind of like hard to see for me before playing Eberron is mm-hmm. really interesting I hadn't really thought about Eberron in the, the vein of Avatar before, but I will now, actually. Because I'd always seen it a little bit more of the Indiana Jones, the um, the Phantom, like really that classic 1920s feel rather than than a little bit earlier than that, that 1800s. I feel like that's how it's kind of... It's been written to like incorporate the um, like 1920s feel, definitely. Like there's literally a part in the, like, uh, in the Eberron source book about at least in 5e because i only really have played 5e mm-hmm. um uh about like noir adventures and stuff which is like not so much stuff that i've experienced with um i think how you view it definitely has uh is definitely affected by like what else you're bringing to the table mm-hmm. and yeah i just happened to get into everyone the same time as i was like making my partner watch avatar <laughs> <laughs> That's a good combination, though. I'd love to see a Avatar-based D&D game, honestly. That would be so Well, you could fun. totally do it in Emerald. Yeah, you could like, easily do it. You could have, like, uh, what is it? There's, like, Demon Wastes or something. Yeah. And you could have that be, like, uh, Sandbenders and Firebenders. Um, and, yeah, because Eberron, you could basically, like, set it up as an Avatar-style world. Like, there's that many different areas, there's that many different cultures. Yeah, easily, easily. And you've got all the different, the bending styles almost with the different dragon marks already. Yeah, definitely. And then you just have to have, maybe set it during the last war where you've got that one nation starting to dominate over everyone else and you can't really ally between them. One nation's been wiped. Yeah, there's so much potential in that. (laughs) Are you going to make a new uh, campaign now? I'm not. I've got three campaign. (laughs) I've got three homebrew worlds now that I'm, getting started but i'll probably draw some stuff from avatar now this is the problem with talking about D at all as soon as you start talking about any, get more ideas. Yeah, any any adventures you start to go oh i've got this idea for a character oh i've got this idea for an adventure oh i've got this idea for a world and it's just it's too much there's it um, can get really distracting like yeah. i was dming curse of strad but then because i played that before with you dming I, and i got into eberron i was like Oh, I kind of just want to do Eberron now. 
<laughs> Sorry. Hyperfixation uh, has happened. Yeah, that'll that'll happen. I mean, Strahd's a good example of something you just can play over and over if that's all you want to do. But there's so many other options to do. I mean, I keep going on about Curse of Strahd where I want to do it in a Louisiana bayou. Oh, that'd be fucking sick. Like have a southern gothic feel to it and Strahd's, man Strahd's castle is this massive old mansion on an old plantation and there's the gators in the swamps and wear gators and... Uh, yeah, there's so cool. Someday, that kind, someday. That kind of um, like reminds me. Uh, I ran a Monster Hearts game, uh, and <laughs> like it wasn't my intention, but eventually one person was just like, you know, this is kind of like uh, Rockhampton, and then from that point on, they decided that they were like a group of teens in suburban Rockhampton. <laughs> That's great. Monster Hearts is another one I want to run. I know some people won't have heard of Monster Hearts, so we'll talk about that pretty quickly. Monster Hearts is essentially you're all in high school, but you're all monsters. Some of my play horny ghost. teenage monsters. Yeah, horny teenage monsters, and it looks amazing. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm actually going to be playing a session of it on Tuesday. I've DM'd it before, but I haven't got to play before, so I'm pretty excited. Um, the game was like designed by like. A queer trans woman and part of that is built into the game in that it's designed to like be a role-playing game where people like question gender sexuality relationships like power dynamics like that just their like relationship to the world um yeah, yeah one, one um, of the things i remember in the rule system you can roll to turn someone on yeah there's and... like a turn on and turn off um thing yeah uh, but if you're successful in turning them on they don't get the choice in that it's because you're a teenager and you just have these hormones and you don't really know what's happening you just know you yeah. like it it could be like a challenging thing in terms of like it's a challenging game for people who like have like certain experiences with like consent not being recognized and that's yeah. completely like understandable um like for me that's something where i read and i was like this could be difficult mm -hmm. but my experience in playing it is like if you're with people who like have had that discussion before and like particularly like playing it with like a group of friends um yeah. uh, oh monster hearts does not feel like a casual game to me it feels like one oh, that you no. no you you decide a couple like a month out hey i want to play monster hearts let's get the group together and play monster hearts for a couple of nights yeah you definitely got to tell people what's in the game before you start playing it eh? yeah yeah, and what I, I love, I mean, all that stuff about consent as well, it's built into the game rules, that there are that, there's the, the veils and the lines and, um, hey, if we're not comfortable with something, we don't have to do this scene sort of uh, sort of Yeah, mentions there's like a whole section on like ways to incorporate like consent into the game so that like no one feels like they're like not being respected. One thing that it does bring up though, which I thought, like, since I've heard it, I've been like, wow, this is really interesting just in terms of, like, humans. Um, so I've been watching a lot of, like, Dimension 20, specifically, like, Fantasy High, um, and getting really into, like, stuff that Brendan Lee Mulligan um, DMs. And I was watching an interview, and he was, like, getting asked, like, how do you feel about doing such, like, romance and, like, you know, like, horny teen heavy, like, uh setting um and he was like yeah obviously there are things that we have to like discuss beforehand and whatnot but like one thing that 
I always think about, like, this is what he was saying, is that why do we feel so comfortable, like, playing characters that just, like, kill and murder everything, but not playing romances? Yeah. Um, but I always feel that there's something... It's something about romances will generally happen with an NPC or a, another PC, and this is my impression of them anyway, whereas the violence always happens to the NPC and the monsters. It's mm. like you don't actually have to face the consequences of that. Mm. But when you're that actually when sense. you're acting out the um, the scene with someone, if you're not, I guess, if you haven't trained as an actor, well, not trained as an actor, but um, got yourself into that headspace of this is a role I'm playing, it's not what's actually going on, it can be kind of confronting for people to step into those roles. Yeah. So it's like um, you're more invested in stuff that seems like it has more actual like reality for you yeah um so if you're someone who like experiences like romance or like sexual attraction that'll be something that you'll be more like nervous or like tell you about um whereas like i would hope not many people go out and just like kill <laughs> let's we'll <laughs> in the way that you not. parties tend to do yeah the murder hobo style is relatively it's been relatively rare since the Dark Ages, but let's not assume. Yeah. I guess that's something that I kind of wanted to, like, work on with Jesse when mm. I was, like, playing Jesse is that, like, not only... So, like, Jesse is someone who is super, like, into friendship, being a good friend, being a good community member. And, like, in the game, I was like, okay, what's the reason for this? And was like, oh, it's their family it's like their family values of like mm. everyone in this like small community of furbolgs in the city looks out for each other like protects each other and also like doesn't stigmatize each other um yeah. and so i was like okay um will be a good way to have that like be reinforced by those like social connections um so one of Jesse's parents is a like, like a cleric, like a doctor, mm -hmm. um, and one of them is a sex worker. Mm -hmm. um, so Jesse, like, has these examples of like uh, different kinds of work not being stigmatized. That you know, unfortunately, usually is. Yeah. In the world. Yeah. This was a, a really interesting one because when you came to me with Jesse, I was still building the world around the world of Terniata, which I'm sure I'm going to end up talking about so often in this podcast because it's my homebrew world. But you came to me with this idea of this is Jesse and this is the Furball community in the city. And I was, I was like, I don't want to say no to you because these are great ideas. So how can I adapt what I've already been planning and fit this in? And it became this really good world building for, exercise for me saying, okay, so... I hadn't actually pictured that there'll be any stigma for sex workers in this universe. Um, but because of what you'd wanted to do with Jesse, I'm like, okay, so, well, how can I work that? And how will that play with these different groups that I already have in play? That makes sense. I just kind of figured there would be stigma because in the real world there is. Oh, yeah. Well, it totally made sense because the, the nation that everything was running on is incredibly racist. 
Uh, so it's like if they've got this stigma about race, why would they not have one about sex as well? And that did actually make me go, okay, so I need to make this a little bit more interesting. I need to think about it more. Like if they do have this stigma of race, why don't they have the stigma of sex? And it made me question, I can't just say, oh, it's just this one thing and not this other thing. I need to address both. And yeah. I think I think it made a better world building exercise for me at the end of the day, being able to really delve into to these things. And it wouldn't have occurred to me had um, you not come up with Jesse and said, this is Jesse's backstory. Yeah, like another like aspect that I thought was like, would be like fun to bring to the table was aspect of gender. Like Jesse is a huge capybara, basically. And mm. I don't think there are many like visual differences, like, like in terms of like gender between capybara no i don't think there's much of like a, a difference in physical form between the male and female see, of, of capybara i haven't seen any difference um uh then again i've just looked at pictures of them being happy um <laughs> uh so i kind of thought um all right so it kind of would make sense if gender isn't really a thing um yeah for fur bogs. uh which is also like this is one thing that i really like about D. you can like use it to uh you can use it to inter like as a form of like speculative fiction like what would be the world you would want to see and how would that world work um i actually like did a um presentation on like why everyone should play D D at least once um in, uh for like a um, it's called like a drink talk learn that a friend of mine put on. Yeah. Um, so it's just it like a, a group of people who just come, you have a few drinks and someone does a presentation on a certain topic. Yeah. Except it was over zoom. So yeah. I just like, you basically make a, like a slideshow or like a PowerPoint or whatever. Um, and then you talk over the slides. That sounds so cool. Yeah. It was pretty fun. Um, and I love just having like a captive audience to talk about D and I've been using Tinder for that during lockdown as well. Um, <laughs> just be, I like, haven't tried using website. Tinder for to talk about D and D yet. I will get on that. I mean, Bumble, yeah. yes, not Tinder. Yeah, it's nice having a captive audience. Yeah, is there a link to that somewhere <laughs> you can I can share in the show notes so everyone can um, see it as I well? I can just send it to you. I don't have like. Yeah, I can just send it to you. I okay. It's pretty rough because I just, I honestly did most of the presentation on the day. But there's like parts in there of like using D and D for world building, using D and D as a way to like, uh, like process like trauma or like difficult memories. Yeah. That, um, oh, there's uh, so much, so many opportunities. Super interesting. Um, like that's part of the reason I wanted to play Jesse because I thought it would be nice if I played a character that was just nice all the time to see if it would make me a nicer person. And did to it? be honest, I kind of think it did. Yeah, I find that as well. And you want to? I'm hoping to become a nicer person through a paladin <laughs> as well. I want to play basically Shira um, with a little oh, bit of Wonder sick. Woman in there, uh, just to be Hell yeah. not not friendly, but certainly wanting the best for everyone and willing to back that up with force if she really has to but like being a mum yeah like a mum and just being like you know what I want to make <laughs> you better and I will do whatever it takes to do that 
And yeah. if the if you are completely lost, then I might kill you because you're. Yep. I, I can't help you anymore. You're. It's always yeah. There's there's a lot of this is the thing. I want. There's so many characters I want to play. I'm sure. Yeah, and D and D is a great way to do that, especially if you're a DM. Yeah, the DMs I think just want to. This is why we get to play all the characters. We just get to go. Oh yeah, we'll just put throw, throw that character I never got to play before, and they'll be the bartender. But what about? I mean, you've <laughs> talked about Jesse. You've talked about um, your gunslinger. Are there any characters on the horizon that you really want to try out? That um, like any classes, any character oh, types? I definitely, I definitely had an idea to play um, an Eladrin that's an artificer. So basically, like uh, like this like elemental, like actual fey elf. Uh, that uh, is just like I'm so interested in the way that these humans do their little tinkering things and then like we were talking about playing like a level 8 one shot so I was like fucking sick I'm gonna make a level 8 Aladrin alchemist Um, (laughs) so you say you say that Um, uh, artificer yeah you say that I'm just picturing um, uh, Arthur Weasley from Harry Potter oh fuck no, just this this um this magical being that is obsessed with the minutia of daily human life, and just like what there's an alarm clock. How could I make that? How do you how do you wake up if you no. don't understand the the processing of the seasons and just wake up at dawn every day? How do you how do you live? I've got to figure this out. Arthur Weasley part like Entrapta part yes. like just like absolute nerd. Yeah, that sounds like um, so much fun. Yeah, I wanted to make them. Um, I forget what the subclass is where you get like an uh, uh, like a robot animal companion. Oh yeah, um, I've got yeah. a got one in my my Everon game, um, but I can't remember. But yeah, Ab- yeah. Anim- robot animal companions. Some- yeah, Ooh. it's way better than the ranger with their animal companion. You just have a robot companion. <laughs> Yeah, and you can like remake them or whatever. Um, yeah, they they come back after a minute or something. It's like they never get knocked down. Oh, sick! Oh, I, I know, there's a spell or something. The character, yeah. Oh, yeah, they heal with like casting the mending cantrip. Yeah, which is which... significantly beneficial. <laughs> uh, and it... one thing I'm really excited for is um, Tasha's cauldron of everything. Oh yes, that's going to be fun. I haven't had a chance to, to look at it yet. When depending on how uh, depending on how active I am in getting this edited, it may be out by the time the episode goes up. It's like November, right? Oh yeah, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Yeah, yeah. I, have, I haven't had a chance to really look at it yet, but it looks every time all these extra things come in, it just looks like a, another opportunity to have these great ideas and customize everything. Really. Yeah, it seems to be pretty heavy on the, like, character customization options. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty interested in that, interested in subclasses. Um, yeah. Now it's it's odd to believe, but you've kind of d- dove into D&D both feet, as far as I'm aware, because if I remember correctly, the game you played with me was your first game of D&D? Yeah, I've never played D and D before. I yes. um, I'd like heard about it for years, but I, I, I think a lot of people hear about D and D and they think it's like a computer game or a board game, and they're like, eh, not for me." 
Um, yeah. But once I figured out what D&D was, I was like, oh, I want to play this. <laughs> so was that before oh. you come to a session? This is, again, plugging the tramway nights that we used to have. Uh, but was that before you came to one of those sessions? Did you do a little bit before of research Before I came before? to one of those sessions, yeah. I was basically at, like, this girl's house, and she brought out uh, all of the, like, D&D, like, 5th edition stuff that she had. Like, basically, the three core books, like, Monster Manual, Player's Handbook, and the Dungeon Master's Guide. And I just, like, flipped through the Player's Handbook, and I was like, this is so cool! Um, and then went through the Monster Manual, and I was like, yeah! Uh... And was like, I gotta play this. I gotta play yeah. this. Um, I think that yeah. monster manual is such a. It's not a gateway drug, but the gorgeous art. I mean, this is that's true of every edition of it. Every time someone picks up that monster manual and goes, "What is that? Why does it have so many eyes? What's this <laughs> anti magic thing it can do?" And you want to learn more, and you want to go, "Well, could I fight that thing? Am I that thing? What's what's the story? What's going on?" And as oh soon shit! As I don't out, know if you know. But I got a beholder tattooed on my leg. Oh, <gasps> nice. Yeah. It's um, it's still just line work, even though it was done, I think, like, early this year or last year. Because, um, you know, lockdown. Um, yeah. Um, and it was just, it's so cool. I'm so nice. excited for it to get color. That's so nice. I want to get, I want to get the, um, the different dice across each of my knuckles. Oh, that's so sick. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'll do it yet. I'm going to get a D20 somewhere. Um, but The knuckles again, are going to be like, you don't need fine line work and they won't last super long, but it's yeah. up to you whether that's something you're interested in or not. Yeah, I think I'll get a D20 somewhere else just because I like the yeah. idea of the knuckles, but it's probably not. not. And I've got to find it somewhere good because as you may remember, well, the listeners will find out, my, um, my Rebel Phoenix from Star Wars on my wrist is still not looking great. Oh, buddy. Which is not, is, yeah, I get what I pay for. It's fine. It's that's good real. enough. No one ever notices it. It's only when I point it out and say, hey, look, there's this little bit that's missing. And it does look better than it did originally, so that's fine. That's good. But it is, um, that's, I guess, body art of different types. I find a lot of people who are into that do tend to lean towards D&D as well. Well, yeah, it's definitely like, uh, um, like if you're into fantasy, if you're into sci-fi and stuff, there's something for you in D and D. And a lot of people who are into like tattoos and whatnot, and just different forms of art, like that's basically why when I picked up the like the core rule books, I was like, because the artwork is off chops. Yeah, it's like the art has been such a. I think this is why there's an art and arcana book with all the art of D and D through the years. It's just because there is this... It is amazing. I'm looking at it right now. Do you think that kind of ties in with... Because in your your everyday... Your your day job, as it were, you're yeah. a... Um, I, I want to say nail technician. I'm not sure if that's the correct term. I'm a beauty therapist, but I do mostly do nails. Like, my salon specializes in nail art. Right. So, I mean, I've seen some of your, your work on Instagram. It is amazing. And Thank you. Off air, we were talking about Polish Man, and last year I got you to do my nails for it. And it's, I mean, I'm not very good at doing nails, obviously, because I do not have the experience for it. And I have never seen I wasn't better good nails. I doing nails when I started. I and don't think it's like, it's is, not, is anyone? It's, it's practice. It's a, yeah. It's a skill you learn. Yeah. 
but you, I mean, you have amazing skills and a lot of the art that you do is very fine. Do you find that there are other um, beauty therapists who would have a similar sort of experience or would enjoy the art as much as you would? Or do you think this is something oh, specific definitely. to you? Um, I don't know other beauty therapists that play D&D, to be honest. But that'd be pretty sick. Um, uh, but, like, it's definitely a transferable skill. Like, honestly, <laughs> it's definitely a transferable skill for mini paintings. Yeah. I remember uh, Jordan Raskolopoulos was saying um, after she transitioned that painting nails was easy after painting, painting Warhammer figures for, for years. Oh, totally. Yeah, and there's lots of... Um, it's weird. So, like, for some people it's transferable, for some people it's not. But I definitely, like, found it to be a very transferable skill. Um, mm. The only difference is, like, the thickness of the pigments and whatnot and the fact that it's, like, a 3D surface rather than, like, a... These nails are a little bit 3D, but they are generally flat. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess they're a wider area as well. They're just a, a flat canvas, whereas miniatures have yeah, curls and and recesses and things like that yeah i found that um i think the combination of like having been like just drawing and painting for years like and then also um working uh as a nail tech uh made painting minis a lot more accessible hmm. that being said i haven't like painted any since lockdown started <laughs> Oh, I you should definitely try. I've been doing it as mindfulness techniques because I can just put I just something forget like... that I have a fucking mind. <laughs> that too. Well, I I put on Critical Role or LA by Night or Critical Role season uh, campaign two in the background <laughs> and just grab my minis, grab some paint, and I just undercoat. Do nothing else but undercoat like eight or nine minis at a time. Uh, just one cool. after the other and it's repetitive and slow and uh, maybe after an hour or so i go okay that's enough i just want to watch now but i it it calms me so much because i feel like i'm actually doing something and i am i can then go or i can go so hey. nice. it's it's wonderful i strongly recommend it to anyone who's still in lockdown uh, or may have to be going back into lockdown because or even you just want to you've got a, a weekend and you need to to calm down from work it's such a good way to to relax Oh no, I definitely did it like last year and stuff. It's just that like ugh, my like executive dysfunction has been going through the fucking roof. The mm. longer lockdown has gone on, just being like, "There's no schedule. What are you yep. gonna do?" Yep. Oh, you got to get a routine going. That's what I always find. But uh, rather than go into more lockdown and COVID talk, because it does seep into every conversation, yep. and I'm trying to make um make sure that i only spend a few minute or two talking about it every time otherwise we just That's go right. into a spiral which is fair i mean we're dealing with it every day we want to talk about fun things and D, &D which is good but i just thinking so are you playing any games online i mean this is the segue that we go from covid and, and that to zoom talk yeah i've been playing a few uh oh yeah because you're playing, playing monster some... hearts I'm playing. I haven't played it yet. Um, we're starting on Tuesday, um, and I'm pretty interested to see how that'll go. So, like, what, a DM that I haven't played for ages is hosting it, um, Shane, and she's going to do it over Discord. Um, I've been playing over Roll Twenty a bit. Um, another DM 
really likes Roll20. And when, I was do- uh, when I've been doing Curse of Strahd, I've been doing that over Roll20. Um, uh, but honestly, the thing that I've mostly enjoyed is just using, like, Facebook chat and doing, like, Facebook, like, video chat with, like, the group that I mostly, like, play D&D with. And what I did for the for the one-shot setting Sean was it was all just, like, voice and people, like, rolling, like, in real life. Mm. Uh, and then I collected a bunch of just pictures of Google to describe what I was, um, what people were looking at. So, mm. and I'd post them, like, intermittently, depending on where we were. So, like, when they were in, like, the big city gardens on like the upper level in central i posted a picture of like this garden with lots of like uh like beautiful purple blossoms and mm-hmm. i posted a picture of like the noble who was sending them on the journey and then when they went to uh when they were like chasing this like con artist who'd stolen her um <laughs> uh I was really proud of this. Uh, she left her uh, the military technology sending stone with an upgrade that her um, dad, who was in the um, in the like Breland military, had given to her as a present, hmm. uh, which was not a sending stone, but a sending stone that also took photographs. Um, oh. And she was like, "I've been calling it it like my um, photograph stone or like phone." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was Love just it. like, yeah. Yes. Um. So because I was like, it'd be fun to just send them on a like thing of like, I love my phone. Mm-hmm. Um. So they're chasing this like con artist who's stolen the phone, uh, and they go into like, uh, like, like a gay bar, just like a lesbian bar basically. Um, and there was like this like hot orc lady who'd had her uh like her heart broken by the con artist and then there was like uh like a dwarf at the bar who was like what can i get you um Mm. and for each of these i just like post a picture of the different characters or like the ambiance um one of my players called me out because one of the pictures of the bar had uh Geralt from the witcher in one corner (laughs) and i was like just ignore Geralt." someone's cosplaying it's fine it's fine they're just they like the look yeah, yeah. Someone's cosplaying with Geralt in the corner. Yeah, um, yeah. I a- enjoy like fun, silly D and D games, so it really lent itself to that. Yeah, I think having that, I hadn't thought of uh, posting the pictures in there. I'm much more about the maps and about the the music, but having that ability to just post a, a picture and go, "This is what they look like," while the session's going on, that's a really great idea. It's a really useful way because. I often find, if particularly if I'm making up a NPC on the fly, it's a little difficult to come up with the features that they'll recognize or they'll yeah. they'll pay attention to. So if having a, some pictures ready to go and just go, okay, so this is what they look like. Now you know, and I can work more on the voice and, and figure it out. Yeah. I've, like, adapting to DMing over computer or, in my case, iPad has been a challenge um like i also love maps and i love music and whatnot i haven't really got to like i love having music playing while i'm playing but i haven't really done it while i'm dming because it's an extra task that my brain can't really handle um 
And although I love maps, doing it over the internet is just really fucking annoying. And yeah. it takes away from the fun for everyone, at least in my experience. Um, one of my DMs is good at maps over Roll20, but even then, it's a shit show. Like, just because it's, like, it's buggy. Yep, and it's exhausting. Like, it's, it's as good a platform as you're going to get, but it does, it's still buggy and annoying at the best of times. Mm. Um, uh, in real life, I, I'll just, like, draw up a map. But... Yeah, over Roll20, over, yeah, over the internet, I've really enjoyed just that more like roleplay heavy kind of game. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask as well, actually, because I have a feeling I'll know the answer having played with you before. But we always, I've always said that there's the three pillars of of a role-playing game. I mean, this is a, a common theory anyway, that there's the combat, there's the social, and there's the exploration slash puzzles. And I've always, you've always struck me as more of a social role play person rather than about the combat or even so the exploration. You more enjoy interacting with the other characters and discovering things about your character. Um, oh, do you think that's, it. is that still the case online games or do you like a little bit more of that description and working together with people and solving things out and discovering more of the story um, now that you're. I guess you're still talking to people, but it's not quite the same. It's, I always find it's a little bit harder to role play with someone and get into that character when you're just talking to a screen. Um, I don't find that it's harder. I find, and also like, to be honest, like I love role play, but I also love combat. It's love <laughs> combat. I this love is where you played a rogue. Well. Yeah. <laughs> love to stab. Um, yeah. I find like, because I'm autistic, D&D is a really great way to socialize. There's mm-hmm. rules to it. There's like ways to there's like ways to move within it. Um uh and I and there's also like the like fantasy like world building and character creating that is ongoing in mm-hmm. a collaboration with like other players and DM. And yeah, that really like jives my joints. Um and exploration is fun, but I get really frustrated with puzzles if they're not, like, easily solved. Um, yeah. Like, I did, uh, what is it? The the one where the source material is notably racist. Gonna have to narrow Tomb it Tomb of down. Annihilation. Right. Tomb of Annihilation. Yep. I think that's it. Uh, yeah. Uh, There's a lot we... of puzzles in that. I fucking hated it fucking hate puzzles god yeah i mean you go back to the original the tomb of horrors and it's all puzzles that you don't necessarily know the answers to unless you've lost three characters already and sometimes it's just trial and error of okay so i stepped on the left brick this time and my foot got eaten off so with the next character i'll step on the right brick and see what happens because there's no indication of what's going to happen there's no way of telling fucking eaten off because you're not supposed to go on that fucking thing god yeah, I mean, Tomb of Horrors was a it was a fuck you to players a lot of the time. Anyway, it's like you, I control this world and I can do what I want with it, and it doesn't matter whether you've got a, a massive sword or not; it's still going to kill you. I don't like that. It's not fun. It's not as much fun. I think that was for a very specific sort of game, and this is why Curse of Strahd is different because it is very much about design. You've got this world, and it's just a little sandbox you can play in, and the world will react differently depending on what the players do. Yeah, you can have Strahd be like, 
like a silly game. You can have Strahd be like a serious game. You can have it like as horror or like as sci-fi or not sci-fi or as like uh, like different veins of horror as you want. Um, yeah, you can I make really it a little bit buffy. Strahd. Yeah, I really enjoyed playing Strahd when you were DM because oh, thank you. Like it was like <laughs> uh, it was like serious enough that we took it seriously, but it was also just like. I think that might also be because I was playing a rogue that was just like, I, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> just like a bastard of a person. Oh, um, and- if we could do an entire episode on Annabelle, it was. Um... <laughs> like meeting Strahd for the first time and annoying Strahd enough to get like smited. Yeah. In, uh... in the first session with him. I think it was he shows up on a rooftop with the lightning behind him and you say cheer up emo boy or something and he looks at you and casts blight without saying anything else and i think nearly killed you in one shot oh definitely yeah i think i was down yeah and it was just it was wonderful for me because i got to be the dm and be like this is serious times now so you, you can and make then fun i didn't stop but... the entire campaign <laughs> No, but then I remember, like, th- some DMs, some DMs might be really concerned about that. But I also remember when your your group walked in to have dinner with somebody, and Strad's sitting there at the table, and you all freaked out because you know he's a threat because of what he did to you. So it's not you're taking it seriously, but Annabelle, Annabelle does not give a shit. I have really enjoyed doing that when I've like been DMing it, um, just being like just showing the characters that Strahd has power yeah, and then withdrawing it. Um, particularly like having him charm one of the characters for 24 hours. And then afterwards they're just like, bastard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's, he's such a wonderful villain. He really is. And he's you a can, pretty fun villain. Yeah. You can play him up and have him toy with the party and enjoy their antics, or you can have him just hate them full out hate them or just not care it's like oh there's some insects in my kingdom i guess i'll deal with them later it's not it's not interesting right now yeah i'm i think i definitely lean more towards homebrew though after dming strive for a bit um keeping up with all of the different aspects of role play that have been pre-written out um i found very difficult whereas coming up with stuff on the fly or coming up with stuff as a reaction to like what was hap- what's like going along with the story mm-hmm. uh, comes a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. I find that as well. Um, a lot of the time, just trying to remember. Okay, so trying to remember all the moving parts of an yeah, adventure. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Moving yeah. parts of the of the like pre-written adventures. Yeah, and being able to shrug and just say, "Well, it's different now." That okay, that's what the published adventure says, but this was more fun at the time, so let's just go with that. Yeah. And I think Dungeons but and Dragons very much has the, Yes. That's you've got to have that note. You've got to have that note of this is what happened. And remember to put it somewhere that you'll uh, to find again. My I have a little notebook which I have for every single D D session I run. It's or you know, I go through them. And this will be where I track monster hit points. It'll be where I track initiative, um, where I track treasure and things like that. And flicking back through it, occasionally I'll just find a note saying something like, use this for a puzzle later on, or such and such has the orb of thingy. And coming back to it six months later, I'm like, oh, of course they did. That's where it went. 
or the bartender hates this person because he didn't pay. And I'm like, I don't remember that. That's not going to come up again because I didn't go back and check. Absolutely. And it's those That's kind of moving nice. parts. Um, Is there anything that you like more about like playing or DMing D&D during lockdown? That's a good question. Um, I like the lack of commute to games. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, living a long way away from a lot of my friends, it has been a. It's. I love going to um, to play games with them in person, but it is a long drive back uh, where I don't get to mm. talk to anyone, and I want to debrief and I want to talk about the session more, and I don't always get to. But that's kind. Of, oh, actually, and being able to. I mean, like I said, I use maps and I use tokens, and not having the miniatures was a bit of a problem at first, and now that I'm using tokens. I can't always afford the miniatures I want. But mm. with using art asset, assets to put in a token, I can find the image I want. Mm. So I can always get that look of what I'm going for. If I want to have a Hydra, yep, I've got an image for a Hydra. Whereas at the table, I might go, okay, so you're going to have to imagine this is a Hydra because I've only got a Chimera model. Mm. And if you, want, if, you want a Chimera, if you want a Hydra, you're going to have to pay me more because I need to go buy yeah. it. I don't know if you've like watched any of the Dimension Twenty stuff, but I haven't yet. They had hectic like minis and like whatnot, especially in like the first season of Fantasy High, and like uh, there's like Escape from the Blood Heap, which is like a from the villain side of like a Lord of the Rings style thing. Oh, that's except be they're not allowed to say Lord of the Rings. Yeah, <laughs> um, of course. Yeah, so it's all just like, ah, uh, the halflings, Fredette, and <laughs> Samful. Samful. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, is um, this a, a podcast but, or a YouTube series? Or it's Twitch a show? YouTube series uh, and Twitch show. It's like a, like a college humor's D&D Oh, uh, yes, yes. I think I might have heard of some of this. Yeah. Yeah, they're all, like, DMs by Brandon Lee Mulligan, who I've started to, like, absolutely love as a D&D, um, uh, as a, like, dungeon master. Uh, uh, and they have someone, like, or they did at least for a while have someone on their staff who, like, would make the minis for the next week, like, hand make them over the oh, course wow. of the week. And they're all amazing. That's astounding. I bloody love it. And I think you'd really like Fantasy High if you like Monster Hearts as well, because there's yeah. a lot of like, yeah, it, the premise of it is like, uh, what if uh, uh, John Hughes ran a D&D game? Oh, and if I'm listening to a podcast at the moment called uh, Fast Times at D&D High. Pretty cool. Which, which is exactly that. It's uh, John Hughes style characters in a fantasy world all having to go to a correctionary school. That's it's, sick. it's really fun there's about five episodes on now i think um it was just they talked to the dm on critter hug uh just recently oh cool i haven't watched the latest episode of that um have Definitely. you listened to not another D podcast because everyone Fancy tells I me has... to listen that's everyone... the same everyone tells me to listen to it but i haven't listened to it yeah I have too many D and D podcasts. I'm on two D and D podcasts. I don't. I don't have time to listen to anything that I'm not already listening to. 
not another D&D podcast is like they're playing D&D though. The actual play podcast, there are some amazing ones. There's one that another one of our players from, from Tramway put me onto called Adventure They Wrote, which you might really enjoy actually because it's all about, set in Waterdeep, but it's the Goblin Detective Agency. Sick. And, There's a Goblin yeah. like detective character in Fantasy High. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, I think I have seen some some pictures of this. So I'll yeah. check that out. But yeah, for your Eberron game, definitely check out um, Adventure They Wrote and see what how, how, it, how it could fit in. That sounds super cool. I tried to do, um, we ended up like not having time and it like fit in a particular part of the, as like a one shot in the campaign we're doing. Um, mm. I basically have this like, uh, so my friend will like DM the campaign that we're doing through uh, Corvair, like mm-hmm. the around Corvair in like 50 days thing. And then I was like, cool, can I, I'll do like one shots in between like every other thing because that's more my jam. And then like he gets a turn playing and I get a turn like making up homebrew. So it kind of like works out really well. But there was one time where like it didn't quite fit in our schedules to do the game. And I really want to do it now. It's basically like a lightning rail heist. Oh, yes. Yes, that would be so much fun. Like set jumping in, um, onto the train, yeah. Yeah, set in like Zolenberg in the um, like the gnome. Uh, yeah, homeland. in Zalago, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so much. Fun. I'm, my um, my Eberron party just jumped onto a lightning train uh, yesterday, and they're chasing a vampire because, of course, they are. It's very. I feel that it's very uh, classic Dracula, where the vampire is always one step ahead of them, but they're just ever so close. They're just catching up every step they're getting like two steps as he takes one and wait yeah, is the vampire it's... on the train as well yeah the vampires made it to the train first and the train has just started to set off as they basically started to rush the platform and they had to fight the guards as they tried to jump on and it pulled away just as they they um, managed to get on so now the vampire's somewhere on the train and they've got to hunt him down it's got to keep him in there until the sun comes up oh there, it's there's some there's some stuff going on right I don't want to give it away in case they're going to be listening to this. <laughs> that sounds so cool. It's really fun. It is. There's well, this is you're saying um, these one shots, which are more of your jam. Do you feel that you now now you've experienced both sides of the the DM screen? What do you prefer? Do you prefer the the player side because you get to interact more? Or do you like to be all those characters like we were mentioning uh, previously? I like to have a bit of both. Um... Right now, I'm really enjoying specifically GMing one-shots set in Eberron. Yeah. Um, that is likely to change. Uh, I also really enjoy playing the character that I'm playing in the Eberron campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, but I worry a bit because, like, I have the book on D&D Beyond. I've been reading it. Um, and I'm, like, quite invested in, like, the backstory and world building. And I worry that me being, like really interested in that stuff um i don't want it to be a thing where like i'm speaking all the time because other Mm -hmm. people haven't had like the opportunity or like the access to the source book that i have yeah um Um, do you find that changes how other people play the game like eberron is probably a good example because a lot of people have encountered that setting through different means and kind of have an idea of what it's like whereas 
just a flat D&D, you know it's kind of fantasy. But with Eberron, there is that backstory. Like we were saying earlier, that there's those move, not the moving parts, but there's society set up. There's different interactions between the houses and the nations. And there's all that kind of stuff to know about. Do you find it easier for you having read that all? all the the background to it or do you think you could step in fresh and just just take with what they they give you and say yeah there's a gnome nation yeah there's flying ships yeah there's there's car there's trains and things like that no because i didn't step into it without knowing anything about it like i read pretty much like through the whole source book before i played like a session in the game um and that's why i wanted to play it more um yeah, I am keen to like ask people about that. Uh, I think it all depends on like the little things about the game that make it a whole. So like the players, uh, the players like level of interest and like level of energy for it. Um, whether it's like uh, a short game or a long game, whether it's in person or not in person, whether the how like invested the dm is in world building the flavor of the game whether it's like funny or serious um i think for my group because it's more focused on like being silly and fun in general um that makes it a lot more accessible um i know a lot of people really love serious games but i like funny ones because it means that like it's generally like more accessible to new players. I haven't played a super serious game because I I like laughing. I like <laughs> having fun. Um, but I also don't know. Yeah, I just haven't had the opportunity for a super serious game before. Hmm. I find because people have to have that disconnect between the character and themselves. I mean, everyone, like you're saying, people like to laugh everyone loves to laugh that you want those downtimes and to have to step out of the character to make the joke and then step back in is a little bit tricky so i think there's always that mix and super serious games you find ones that are very intense for a period and then you kind of have to to decompress and go out and do something else for a little while so i i'm of the opinion i'm not sure if everyone listening is going to agree that serious games are good for a short period and then you stop so they're um they're limited runs i think that might be kind of the point behind monster hearts like yeah they don't recommend having a monster hearts game go beyond like four sessions and partially that's because of like the serious things that it can bring up um i like the idea of a, a monster hearts game where you do have those four sessions and each one is that weird thing that happened to you. We'll use the American high school term. So this is the weird thing that happened when you're a freshman. This is the weird thing that happened when you're a sophomore. This is the weird thing that happened when you're a junior and a senior. So it's each, each time you're a year older and then you're done with that character because they graduate and go off into the world. But those four sessions are you discovering who you are. Yeah, that's kind of like... It's been a while since I read the source book for Monster Hearts, but they were like, think of each, uh, think of each session as either a season or a quarter of a season. So you can either uh, have, I think they recommend that like, like a campaign is like four sessions, and then at the end of that, you either play new characters or you uh, like 
change it up a lot and you they do also recommend to take a break in between um which i really like i like that it recommends like tackling these heavy things but also the fact that like you need time to deal with it hmm. just that little bit of debriefing and um, processing yeah it's very gay i love it <laughs> Uh, I know I I agree I think it is very gay in the best ways like it's like specifically like like a lesbian thing of like no we need time to process (laughs) um this has been very serious and heavy for me (laughs) I really want to get a cat about it (laughs) um uh, and I guess if you play a witch you could probably get a familiar um yeah yeah, I think if I was playing a serious D&D game, I would only it'd be like with a select group of people who I definitely trusted. Um, like, yeah. I think that's the, those are. are the best games that people find when you can trust the people around you and you're able to step out, maybe not step outside your comfort zone, but you can explore your character and explore themes and different things knowing you've got that, that safety net with you. But we have talked for a while. It has been wonderful. Thank you, Adelaide, so much for, for talking with me today. Is there anything that you'd oh. like to plug online? Um, any place that people can find you uh, if you're interested in letting them get into your... No, I'm pretty chill. Okay. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't do anything online lately besides, like, like post memes or, like, sometimes, like like over lockdown i started making just like terrible horrible animal crossing memes just uh, like excuse absolute... me they were amazing yeah but they are not family friendly oh they are not. um they are not. So... <laughs> um i mean given so... how much we've sworn on this podcast i don't think this episode is family friendly either oh my god whatever i'm from queensland <laughs> uh anyway uh, if you would be so kind say uh, farewell to our listeners as jesse if you would like um, bye guys hope you have a wonderful day um and uh i hope you're kind to everyone um be good to each other uh i forget what mr Rogers says at the end of all these broadcasts but um yeah just make sure you love and support each other have a nice day So that was my conversation with Adelaide. I cut out about at least a third of what we went on about. We had a great chat. It was amazing. You missed all the cat stuff. There was so much cat stuff in there (laughs) because we like to talk about cats because cats are cute and sending cat photos. And that's a thing we do. That's all for this episode. Uh, Thank you for listening. One of the reasons I wanted to have Adelaide on is that this month, um, the last couple of years, I have been doing the Polish Man campaign, 
and I will be doing it again for October 2020. And Adelaide, being a beauty therapist, has very helpfully painted my nails for me uh, for this program. Uh, unfortunately, this year she will not be able to, thanks to the virus stopping us. So I'm going to be doing it myself, which won't look as good, I'm afraid. But I will be trying to put some photos of it up on the Instagram. The tell me at the tell me. I'm not being able to use my words today. I have been talking a lot. Instagram is tell me about your D&D. And there will be some photos of my nails uh, to support this. But there is also going to be a link to donate. The Polished Man campaign is one that raises money for children who are in violent homes. And I think that's something that's probably going to be even more important to do this year than others. It's not something that we need. You just give millions of dollars every little bit helps we i would love it if you would be able to donate in my name um, as i said there will be a link in the show notes but if not there's you can go to my.polishedman.com slash jeremy hyphen vine that's vine as in grape and yeah any amount you're happy to give any amount you can give i know times are very tough i will be talking about this on all the episodes through october so don't feel like you've you've got to get anything if i had a patreon up a lot of the proceeds from this month would be going to to this um, service anyway it's something that i think i feel very strongly about and it's something that i feel like can make a difference uh with and um it's Simply, it's a great way to get conversations about this started just by painting my nail and going out and seeing people and people say, hey, why is your nail painted? And I'd explain it to them. And nine times out of 10, they're happy to, to donate. And I hope you are too. It would mean a lot to me, but it's, you know what? It's your money. You can, you no doubt have other donations that you make as well. And those are just as good. So if you do want to find out more about this, you can head along to polishman.com. I'm an not an affiliate or anything like that. I'm just a guy who believes in it and is, is fundraising for it. You can head over to my Twitter at Tell Me Your D&D or the Facebook at Tell Me About Your D&D. You can subscribe to me on SoundCloud and Spotify and Apple Podcasts, uh, probably Amazon Music and Audible by the time they get that up and running. I'm sure the podcast scene will be big there too. You can hear me on my other podcast where I talk with Ben and Tori, some previous guests, where we talk about Dungeons and Dragons and other role-playing games and have a really good time and just mess about a lot of the time talking about why we play. You can also send me an email, which is tellmeaboutyourdnd at gmail.com. Now, I'm using that for listener stories about their characters, or if you have someone you would like me to reach out to, uh, someone who you think has been really interesting or has a really interesting character that you would really want to hear on the show and maybe talking more about their life or what they've done. I have a couple lined up. I don't really want people to say, hey, I want to be on. I'd like it more if somebody said, hey, here's someone I think is interesting and want to hear from and I can reach out to them. Just kind of a nomination process, as it were. So if you've got anyone like that, shoot me an email. I am going to be getting around to reading out some of the um, the character bios that have been sent through to me. Um, I might try and get Ben to read some of those as well. I haven't told him yet, so if you're listening, thanks, Ben. Can you do this for me, please? And, uh, well, I'm going to sign up there because I'm clearly babbling now. Thank you so much for listening. Please leave a review or just get in touch and tell me that you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, until next time, stay safe. May all your hits be crits. Begin to howl.